Um, it's a joy um, to be in here with you and sing with you. Um, I want to invite you to turn with me um, in your Bibles to John chapter 9. Uh, John chapter 9, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we are um, taking a look sort of through this Easter season at the seven miracles that Jesus does in John's gospel. Um, John calls them signs because they're not just stories of Jesus' power, but instead they're things that Jesus does that are intended to be pointers, that are pointing us to something beyond just the event itself. Specifically, John tells us that these stories are told in such a way that we could believe in Jesus and in believe, by believing in him, find life in his name. So we've come to the sixth sign in John's gospel tonight. It's the healing of the man born blind. And when I read it for you from John 9, it's a lengthy reading, and I want to encourage you to listen carefully to it, because just the reading of the story itself is, is really integral to the sermon. Just remember that. And as is our custom, we will be pairing this sermon text with the text from the opposite testament. In this case, that would be the Old Testament from Isaiah 35. So would you listen carefully and closely to the reading of God's word, beginning in Isaiah, the prophet. The prophet Isaiah, the Lord speaking, and Isaiah writes, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And now our sermon text for tonight, John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with saliva then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Salaam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. 
Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether this man, he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard him say these things and said, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. And then finally, from John 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in this moment we ask that you would be at work to feed us as your people, that you would nourish us by the power of your word. Lord, in this very interesting story, Lord, that you would use these words and the word, words that I prepared, would you use it all to great effect to shape us, to strengthen our faith, and to give us great hope in our Lord Jesus, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So by way of introduction to this story, I want to give you two contrasting images. So here's the first one. Um, The first one is of a little baby girl named Piper. This little girl is six, seven months old. I watched one of these videos that go around the internet about this little girl named Piper. And Piper, as a young child, a young baby, her parents started to notice that something wasn't quite right. She wasn't really responding like other, some of the other kids. She wasn't desiring to crawl. There was just some things that just weren't quite right. So they took her to a doctor to have a few things checked. And they learned that this little girl, Piper, couldn't see. She had a condition and she couldn't quite see, but through some corrective measures and the thickest pair of like Coke bottle glasses that like, that, you know what I'm talking about, that I have ever seen, um, they try to correct the problem and they slide these glasses onto Piper and at first she's confused why they're putting these things on her head and then they pull them down over her eyes and she pauses and she looks at her mother and just smiles. And then she looks at her dad and just smiles. And she looks at her mom and just smiles. She looks at her dad and just smiles. It's really something to see someone learn to see. Now here's a second image. This image is, imagine a person. Maybe it's a person you know in your life. As I thought about it this week, and I started asking myself these questions, it was me. But imagine a person that you know in your life, and it might be you, that even though it's right there in front of you, you just can't see. Or you're increasingly unwilling to see. I know that's how I can be. And that is what John chapter 9 is about. It's about learning to see, and it's about a group of people, in this case, the Pharisees, who it's right there in front of them, and they just simply refuse to see. So as we walk our way through this story, we're going to approach it with three questions as we have in these weeks. Question number one, what exactly did Jesus just do here? This is 41 verses. It's thick and it's rich, but I wanna point out just a couple things for you. What did Jesus just do? 
Um, The second question we're going to ask of this text is, when Jesus did that thing, second question, what did it mean? Because remember, these stories are signs intended to point us beyond the story itself. And in particular tonight, this story is a sign that is supposed to point us to what following Jesus, what being a disciple of Jesus looks like and feels like. And then thirdly, we're going to ask the question, what about you and me? And I think what we're going to see as we walk our way through these questions is just this really simple point. Is the main thing I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is what you need to hear. This is the main thing. Following Jesus is about being willing to see, or to say it another way, maintaining a willingness to see. To put it another way, Jesus has come to help us see. So let's take a look. What exactly did Jesus do here? Look with me, beginning in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So followers of Jesus can be kind of famous for walking around posing theological questions about things, okay? And at least in this story, we notice Jesus is not interested in that. They ask him, he goes on to say, um, this man was not born for any reason except that God's glory will be displayed in him. And that's what's about to unfold. Look at verse six. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. One thing we see once again, as we've seen in these stories, is that Jesus is the one that goes on the initiative. He looks for a person he deems to be particularly hurting. And he always moves in their direction. This is what Jesus does. In this case, it is a man who's blind. Jesus is concerned for him, moves in his direction, and initiates the whole thing and just begins healing him. In this case, we don't have a question like, do you want to be healed? We don't have any of that. Jesus just goes to work. At least one thing I want to remind you of tonight is that if Jesus walked in the room tonight, he would immediately move to the one hurting the most. And one thing I've learned in pastoral work is that the one hurting the most is not always the one you think is. But Jesus moves with compassion to us in our pain and difficulty. Here's another noteworthy detail. When he goes to heal the man, okay, he spits on the ground and mixes it with dirt to make a paste and rubs it on the guy's eyes. Have you ever wondered why? Why that healing method? You know, we've seen so far in the Gospel of John that Jesus can heal simply by speaking a word. We've seen in the Gospel of John that Jesus sometimes heals by offering a touch. But in this case, we see that Jesus heals by offering a very strange touch. 
Have you guys ever wondered, what is the deal with this? This isn't my preferred way to receive medicine personally. So what's happening here? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, there was something of an ancient belief that saliva or bodily fluids from a healthy person could be transferred to an unhealthy person and the health would somehow transfer. But there's always something deeper going on because in the case of Jesus, it actually really works. See, the Gospel of John will tell us that Jesus' blood will have this healing, cleansing, saving power. And here, this muddy paste becomes a means of Jesus' healing grace. But as is the case in the Gospel of John, there's something even deeper. See, if you remember when God created the world, the scriptures teach us that he spoke it into existence, but then we're also told that he grabbed dirt and he fashioned the dirt in order to make the man. So in a very real way, John wants us to remember that scene and help us see that Jesus is not just going to heal this man from being blind, but he's also going to recreate this man's entire life. He's acting with creative healing power to completely restore this man's life. Last noteworthy detail. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. This is important because the rest of the story will be about this man being sent out as a witness to what has just happened. So we're going to get something of a missionary story here. So what exactly did Jesus just do here? Well, he gives a man sight, recreating his life, and he sends him out as a witness to what has just happened. And the rest of the story is about his witness. So here's our second question. When Jesus does this, what does that mean? What does this story mean? Because remember, these stories are told to us so that we can believe in Jesus and that we can find life in his name. So there's something about Jesus we're supposed to understand from this story. And the thing about Jesus that we're supposed to understand from this story in particular is what life will be like as his followers. John wants to show us that once we've been touched by Jesus, what's following him actually like? So let's take a look at this blind man's journey from here. What you're going to see is that the blind man's journey from here, he increasingly is able to see more and more and more. But we're also going to see in the Pharisees, they're increasingly becoming more and more blind at the same time. So let me just call out a couple of things about the blind man's journey here. Look at verse 11. It starts by the blind man really having no idea. He just says, the man called Jesus made mud. He anointed my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. I went, I washed, I received my sight. Where is that guy? I don't know. He just knows somebody did something to him, told him to go wash, and now he can see. But listen to the way it builds from there. Look at verse 17. 
He's under accusation. He's in this kind of trial with the religious leaders at the time. In verse 17, so again, they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said that he's a prophet. So the blind man has gone from, I don't know, even know who he is. I just know he put stuff on my eyes. I went and washed. I can see to now, I think he's a prophet. Look at verse 27. He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? He goes from, I'm not sure what just happened to me to that man's a prophet to, by the way, would you like to follow him also? Although it's a little bit sarcastic. Look at verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he's gone from, I'm not sure what just happened to me, to I'm pretty sure this has been a prophet. Would you like to believe in him, to this is someone that we've never known or seen before? And then finally, look at verse 38. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I'm not sure what just happened to me. He's a prophet. Would you like to follow him too? He's someone unlike anyone before. He's Lord and I worship him. Now listen to the way it goes exactly opposite with the religious leaders. They are only increasing in opposition. Look at verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So they begin by just being frustrated because once again, Jesus is doing Sabbath breaking and they're mad about it. But then look at verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. So then they're gonna call the parents. So they go from frustrated about Sabbath to completely hardened in unbelief. So much so that they want to have a kind of trial in order to discredit the man. And then look at verse 28. And they reviled him saying, you're his disciple, but we are disciple of Moses. From being frustrated about the Sabbath to wanting to hold a kind of trial and disbelief to reviling and ridiculing the man publicly. To verse 34, they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us and they cast him out. Frustrated about the Sabbath, wanting to hold a trial to discredit him, openly publicly ridiculing him, now casting him out of the community. To verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. All the way from frustrated about the Sabbath to wanting to publicly discredit him and hold a trial to openly ridiculing him, to casting him out, to openly rejecting Jesus. What John wants us to see is that the person who can actually see was the blind man, and then the people who can see just fine are completely blind. See, what John's hoping to get us to see is that following Jesus is about learning to see, being willing to see. So what did Jesus do? He healed a man in a strange way to recreate his life. What does it mean that following him is about being able to see and being willing to see?
Now here's our third and final question. What about you and what about me? I think it's helpful to take some so what from both characters in this story, both the blind man and the religious leaders. So listen to this. I think from the blind man, the so what for us tonight is about expectations, about what following Jesus might actually be like. Y'all, I've told you before about these people in the world who like to know what to expect. Are any of you guys those people? So this is your moment right here. What can you expect when it comes to following Christ? One thing you can expect is that following Jesus will feel sometimes like seeing very dimly and very blurry and having to learn to sort of open your eyes and see just a little bit more. We can't always see it all immediately. It kind of comes to us over time. Understanding Christ and his plans for our lives, sometimes that unfolds to us slowly over time. The life of faith is fraught with difficulty sometimes to see. The Apostle Paul says, right now we see dimly, but one day we will see clearly. Y'all, our four-year-old daughter, Millie, sometimes when I have to wake her up, which I never like having to wake up a young child, but every now and then I have to wake her up. And as I shake her awake, what she'll say to me is, She'll say, Daddy, I can't quite get my eyes all the way open yet. And, and then she'll be like, okay, there you go. <laughs> and that's kind of how it feels when we follow Christ. It takes a little while. Now, the Spirit promises to give us faith to walk even when we can't see. Now, the promise, of course, is that we will see dimly until we see completely clearly. Scriptures teach us that in that moment, we'll see Jesus' actual face. Here's a second so what. Here's a second so what from this story. If the first one is sometimes following Jesus is more like a slow being able to see, Here's a second thing that I think we can't miss from this story. As we are sent to follow him, we will encounter opposition and maybe even increasing opposition. As you follow Jesus faithfully, sometimes what you'll find is that you're becoming more and more and more misunderstood sometimes. Sometimes as you follow him, you have to understand that opposition is going to feel normal. There is a world out there that does not want to see. Now, it might not look dramatic like this. 
You might not be drugged into some sort of public trial with regard to your following of Christ. That might not happen. But I do wonder if other things could happen that could be just as difficult. I want to give you just a couple of examples. Just try relating to people differently according to the values of Christ's kingdom and notice how it makes people feel awkward around you. Try beginning to think and spend or not spend your money differently according to the values of God's kingdom and notice how people will suddenly think you kind of have like become no fun. Try purity. Try holiness in your speech or your actions. You notice how confused people become. A writer that I really admire said this, and it's kind of rattling, and I'm just going to read it for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should not bank on always being able to climb the corporate ladder because your loyalty to him will sometimes get in the way. If you're follow of Jesus, you will not always be able to be at the center of every social circle because the values your life is being lived according to will get in the way. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will not be able to participate in every aspect of American socio-political or social life because you're following Jesus will disrupt that. Sometimes people will speak of you as an evildoer or slander you because of your following of Christ, end quote. The second so what is just that sometimes following Christ will be difficult and deeply challenging. Now here's another so what, but this is related to the Pharisees. So let me just ask it to you this way. When you watch the pattern of the Pharisees in this story as I read it, as you see them become increasingly more and more and more blind and more and more opposed to Jesus, like, as I read it, did you just want to scream to them, come on, just, just see? I mean, think about this for a second. It's all right in front of them. Literally, Jesus himself, he's right there in front of them, speaking to them, talking to them, having just performed a miracle to show them his power and his greatness. His word is here. He's talking to them. Y'all, when I read this story and I'm watching the Pharisees becoming increasingly more blind, I wanted to like throw my Bible, you know, in the air and say, can you not just see? And it made me ask a question like this. What kind of person has it all right there in front of them? Jesus's work, Jesus's word, and he refuses to see and respond. What kind of person does that. And all I know to say to that is, I don't know, you tell me. Have you realized how blind you can be? 
I think this text is a call to repentance. In other words, as I read this story, I found myself identifying in the story more with the Pharisees. And I think this text is a call to repentance. And let me just tell you a slice of gospel hope. That this same Jesus will march to the cross in order to make unwilling people willing by his grace. He goes to the cross to forgive hard-hearted stubbornness. And his spirit opens the eyes of the blind, including you, including me. See, following Jesus is about being willing to see, maintaining a willingness to see. So may that be true of us today. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that this text would do its work to humble us, humble our hearts. It can often be so hard. But we need you to open our eyes like you did for this man. We need you to be at work, Lord, to build faith in us like you did for this man. Lord, sometimes we can't see, so we need your help. Lord, we also can be hard-hearted, and so we need you to patiently and kindly break up hard places and open our eyes. So would you be doing that even now, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.